everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel and Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel and Marcy. And season four, as I t- keep telling you guys, nothing but legends. We're getting great people from all around and walks of life just coming on here, whether they're in martial arts, business, entrepreneurship, mindset, we explore everything. So today, he's uh, he's a fan favorite. We've had him back on the show for the second time now. I'm a good buddy. Dude, how do we say his name? Because I always mess up. I want to say Michael, but it's not. It's Mikhail. No, it's Mikhail. Mikhail. Mikhail Gia. Uh, that's DIA. Yep. I was, the, the crazy thing is the first time I spoke to him, I got it right. I haven't spoken to him for like a year and I like butcher his name, which, you know, <laughs> fuck it. That's what you do. Anyway, so as always, the show is sponsored by AdamMarcy.com. Go check out the previous episodes on there. Check out the blog piece we're doing and also the email uh, marketing news. Uh, so email marketing breakdown that we're doing. So we're actually like teaching you how to write email and use story form for it. And also check out abrasiveentrepreneur.com which is my buddy Shane Hunter's site uh, where he basically breaks down psychology and Facebook and how people spend and stuff and finally today we are sponsored by probably the hardest word bump uh, Mikhail's name or dude how do I say your name again? Mikhail you got Mikhail, it. Mikhail yeah I was going to say Mikhail I was like no it's Mikhail uh, his website which is amazing which is funnelytics.com that's F-U-N-N-E-L-Y-T-I-C S dot io not dot com dot io funnelytics dot io damn it that's a weird url to actually say out loud yeah the funnel the dot io is very uh starting to become really popular when for like software businesses and and whatnot yeah um, so that's why i decided to go with it mostly because the dot com was taken ah fair enough all right so real quickly look, just give me a real shout here because i know it's like a free thing to sign up for but what is it is it just like mapping out your funnel better rather than using a notepad and pen because if so, I've been waiting for this for some time now. Yeah, so yes, that's the free tool. So basically, uh, to give you a quick idea, um, very much what you just said, like most people map out their funnels uh, either on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper. Uh, this is a software, the drag and drop software. It's completely free uh, to map out your funnels. But the real power, the real awesomeness behind Funnelytics is the second half of the word, which is analytics. Uh, once you've mapped out your software on the canvas, all you have to do is hit a little switch and it'll instantly display all of your funnel stats in the same way that you've mapped it out. So to show you how people are traveling through your funnel the way that you've mapped it out on the canvas. And um, it's absolutely awesome. It's really cool. It's it, People are loving it. Um, that's the paid version. Right now we're in beta, so it's closed to the public. Um, but the free mapping tool is also really kick-ass pretty awesome yeah i'm just like slyly signing up for it right now just you know you guys if yeah, you hear no any clicks in the background this is me like screwing yeah, around, if, playing around. If, you, if you don't have headphones on you're about hey, to my voice on a, a little upsell video so damn it um, wish you told me that because like right now it's literally just got hit with it i was like damn it. <laughs> it's like hey i was like damn it <laughs> but yeah that's pretty cool so since the last time we spoke you've basically gone from how do I put this? You guys basically, oh shit. Since the last time I spoke to you, you've gone in and you've gone from agency to software. I remember you were trying to move over to software and you were making your, you know, your way over. What was the sealer for you? Like what really like bumped you over? Um, it's a good question. Um, the, the real reason is because I was really drained. I was, not happy with my life in terms of um, 
not so much like if you looked on the surface, my business was doing, uh, our, at our peak, we were doing $160,000 a month. You know, we were doing well over a hundred grand a month uh, consistently. But when you looked at the actual operations and the actual, uh, my, my work-life balance, and, and I had just had my daughter um, when we started hitting our, our peak months and, and really ramping up the agency, uh, I just had no life. I, I remember um, the tipping point was back in March of, end, end of February or March, somewhere around there of last year of 2017, I was um, in San Diego with my wife. We, and our daughter was five months old at the time, our first, our first girl, we've never, like she's, she's our only daughter. And um, I remember the entire two weeks, my, my wife spent the entire two weeks walking up and down the beach by herself uh, with our little girl in the stroller while from morning to night I was on emails, I was on Skype calls, I was on phone calls with clients and with my team and, and just trying to put out fires and trying to manage things and keep things organized and um, and because I wasn't around and a lot of uh, the, the business revolved around me and my skill set and a lot of the reasons why people signed up was because of me and not because of the process that we took them through. Uh, it was extremely draining and, and I had to make a choice. I had to decide either, okay, find a way to stabilize this business or like just completely change, like shut it down and, and stop and, and do something completely different. And, um, after that trip, I decided to choose the latter. I, I said, you know what, like, I can envision what this is going to look like anyways in two, three years, even if I do stabilize this business, even if I uh, am able to kind of really put processes in place and, and remove myself a little bit. Uh, is this really the business that I want to be growing? And deep down, the answer was no. And I had to make that a tough choice as to what do I do next? And um, I decided to just shut it down and just completely stop taking on clients. We literally overnight, um, I shut off our pipeline. Uh, we were, we were like our sales funnel was dialed in. We were getting leads and we were getting people to schedule calls in our calendar, uh, literally every day, multiple, like it was just full all the time for two weeks out. We were full and Overnight, literally, we turned it off and boom, no more leads coming in. It, leads slow, very quickly disappeared. And then it was a matter of figuring out, okay, well, how do I manage this how, this cash flow and um, manage a team, start letting go of my team and, and transition away from this without kind of, uh, you know, ruining kind of my own reputation by still doing my, my client contracts and finishing up everything I have to finish up. But at the same time, getting out of this as fast as possible because it was draining me. So that was that was the big kind of shift, the big pivotal moment. And um, it took about six months or so before I finished all of my client contracts and everything was done, and and I let go of my entire team. And over the course of those six months, I I was trying to figure out what's next, what am I focusing on uh, afterwards. Uh, luckily, I have a. a another business in the nutrition space that that's doing very well. So, um, that sustained me a little bit, 
while I was continuing to kind of look at Funnelytics as a software and figuring out, okay, well, where do I take this? Is, is this something I really want to launch and is this where I want to go? And um, yeah, the answer was yes and, and here we are. Wow, that's amazing. So what was your, um, that's amazing that you actually had that thought because a lot of entrepreneurs have that, I did. Shortly after our last podcast, um, I actually retired from writing copy, believe it or not. I remember I remember seeing a post about that, I think. Yeah, I completely retired. I didn't want to write anymore. Um, I was going to just focus on teaching. And then, uh, you know, I, I was working with a mentor at the time, and basically he just bulldozed me back into going into writing. And I asked him why. He goes, because you're really good at it. It's like, but it doesn't bring me happiness. He goes, doesn't matter. You need to sort this shit out. I'm like, seriously? He was like, yeah, you need to do this in order to like put money aside in order to do, you know, create the other thing. But the problem with that is if my heart's not in something, I won't do it. Um, but thankfully, around that same time, I got the call from Jay Abraham's office, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll take this on board just simply because it's a big opportunity to work with, like, a legend. But simultaneously, there's just, like, so much those conflicting at the time, so it took me some time to get back into it. I mean, I've done a few client pieces here and there, but I mostly just, like, so I work more on consultations, which is weird. So it's really cool to see someone that actually took it the whole hog and actually went with it because not a lot of people do no uh and and the reality was like it was a tough choice it was a tough decision i i um you know i was already starting to remove myself from the i was trying to remove myself from the business like when we were hitting our, our kind of stride and we were getting a ton of clients i was you know we i had a team of of nine full-time people and I was really trying to put the systems and the operations and the stuff in place to remove myself. But one of the problems that we faced and we had was that we weren't niche enough to uh, to turn our operations into a conveyor belt, in a sense, into like a Ford manufacturing plant. Yeah. Sense, and that's kind of where you have to go if you're going to um, if you're going to provide services when it relies on you and your expertise and what you know your brain then it's very very hard to scale because you're always kind of having to trade your your own time for um to some degree your own time for for uh dollars and yep. i didn't want to do that anymore so the decision wasn't overly hard actually what was the hardest part about the whole thing was actually letting go of my team who had been with me and kind of went through the shit storm that we went through and uh, the ups and the downs and, and whatnot, uh, it was harder to kind of let them go because they'd been so loyal to me than, than uh, actually kind of making the decision that, you know what, we're going, I'm going in a different direction. Yeah, I can imagine that some people felt a little bit, oh, I wish you would stay on and stuff like that. I, I get that because we've had that in the past with different people I've worked with. Um, so I got to ask realistically, like, how did you come up with this idea, particularly with uh, Funalytics.io? Like, how did you come up with that entire thing? Because I know you'd spoken about it, but you hadn't actually originally put it out there. Yep. So, um, actually, the idea came came to me in uh, back in 2013. Actually, uh, I had in my I have a notebook uh, where I just write my like my thoughts and my my notes and whatnot and. Um, I actually called it in the at the title of the page where I described it was Project Game Changer, and I was nice. like, "This is this right here is the game changer." And the the whole um, 
purpose or the whole thing behind it was like it was just a pain in the ass like I don't know you know you're a copywriter so you're probably not as much as on the analytics side of things as um, as a lot of kind of nerdy oh, yeah. you know you're, you're a lot more creative than, than than most of us but um even when you're trying to look at conversion funnels and you're you're looking at your advertising and, and whatnot looking at data is a bitch it's really really a pain in the ass to look at spreadsheets and google analytics and graphs and charts to try and decipher how are people flowing through my funnel and what is the path that is working what is the path that's not working what do i need to optimize where are the holes and and what is the focus you know getting that clarity is extremely difficult and i always found it strange that you map your funnel on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper you know you say a facebook ad then you draw an arrow and it goes to this landing page and then when people opt in you draw another arrow and it goes to a thank you page and then you draw your emails and you kind of map all of this out on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper and then you have to use these charts and graphs and and spreadsheets to try and figure out like how people are actually flowing through the thing that you drew on your whiteboard. I always found that strange and, and really annoying. So my, my thought process uh, back in, in 2013 was very simple. Wouldn't it be really cool if I could have a canvas or a software where I could draw, map out my funnel just like I would on a whiteboard and then hit a button and actually visually see in that same format how people are flowing through each step of my funnel. That was my that was my idea. That was the concept. And as I started, as I was running my agency, I was I was building more and more and more funnels for for clients and for my own businesses. And um, more and more was I like, man, I really really want that tool. I really want to. So that's that's basically where the idea started. And um, in 2016, I decided, you know what, like. We're doing really well with the agency. Let's just diversify a little bit of my uh, my income towards developing the software. So I hired a developer and uh, started the process. That's amazing. But like, d dude, like that's just incredible because like going from the whole analytics standpoint, that data is boring as fuck. Let's be honest. Yeah, like it is. even my friends that are really, really into data and driven and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, dude, that, that, that just would put most people to sleep. Like, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm creative as fuck, but like I have a science background. Yeah. So I love data analytics and shit like that. But even when I look at it, I'm like, nah, nah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Peace out. It's done. But like when you make, you make such a valid argument though, because what it is that you actually have a funnel in place on paper and you don't have any way to really track it properly. And that that just pisses me off that you really can't do that. Well, you can do that with some uh, some uh, the the functionality. What I'm trying to say is, the places where the software that allows you to have the functionality of what you guys are creating actually usually costs a, costs an arm and a leg. It does cost a lot of money to actually get that kind of stuff installed on your site, and yep. there's all the installation processes because you've got to do it. They won't do it. Whereas I'm assuming yours is a little different in the sense of you guys kind of take care of how easy it is to install for them. So it's a very, very, hey guys, watch this video, it'll be easy to do. Uh, and the second is, you guys aren't as expensive as say like the ten twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year licenses you'd have for some of the funnel software that's out there. Like some of the tracking software that's out there. Exactly. And and like even, even if you do get it all installed, it's still confusing. It yeah. still doesn't show it to you the way that you're, you know, my you're goal is very simple. Up. 
I wanted a, a, a normal entrepreneur who, an online entrepreneur who is building funnels, who is trying to grow their business, who is trying to market their stuff. I wanted that normal person to be like, yo, this is super easy. Not only is it easy, but it's actually pretty fun. It's fun clicking around and fun mapping out my ideas. And the cool thing with Funnelytics, and I don't want to spend the entire podcast talking about Funnelytics, but uh, the cool thing about it is, like, once you install the tracking code, um, it tracks. And therefore, when you decide to map new pages and new things, all of that data is, is stored. So all Funnelytics is doing is actually displaying all of that data in whatever way you want. So what I mean by that is like, let's say you want to connect a homepage to a landing page. Let's say on your map, you you, you just have like a, a landing page that, you know, they opt, they, then there's an arrow that goes to a thank you page. And let's just say that's your simple kind of two-step process. Well, let's say three weeks later, you wanna know, actually how many people came from my homepage to that landing page? Now you could just add a little icon onto the canvas, put the URL of your homepage, and all of the data is already there. So Funnelytics will just have a look and say, oh, okay, there's actually 350 people that landed on your homepage and went to your uh, to your actual landing page. So it'll just display that those numbers for you and uh, it'll, it'll pull it back retroactively, which is really cool. I love that. And as much as you say that we're not going to talk about like Funnelytics the entire time, we won't, but at the same time, it's... It's a pretty badass piece of software, but I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you, some, I'm gonna give you, go. It's just the beginning. We're just getting, uh, like, I'm just, I'm just starting on this journey. I mean, people are loving it, uh, which is awesome. You know, we have over twelve thousand uh, users now in in a very short amount of time, and um, we only have, uh, we we only opened up the beta group for the analytics uh, to a, a small number of people, only three hundred people. Um, so now I think we have like 360 or so people, but we, it's actually closed, uh, but people love it there. I didn't expect it. I'll be completely honest. This, this was literally me smoking weed one day coming up with this idea. Like that's, that's the truth. I just sat down one day and I was like, this would be really cool. And I just decided to start developing it. And, um, it's kind of started taking a life of its own, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, dude. I fucking love that. And I love how, like, most of my friends, their ideas, like, I was high at the time. <laughs> it's yeah. usually, like, the, how it all starts off. But I was going to say, I'm going to give you some That's advice. That's a really cool idea, dude. <laughs> pretty much. I was going to say, I'm going to give you a little bit of a critique, if that's cool. Please, please. There's a lot of uh, improvements to no, be done. So the fucking email pisses me off. I'm sorry. It really does. Which email? The first one that goes out, day one or four. Oh, does it? Oh, dude, it annoys the shit out of me. Okay, so I'll tell you why. So backstory, gather around children of the internet and podcasting, listen to this. This is a little, little wisdom that I'm going to drop on you that I don't think Ben Settle, Shane Hunter, or Matt Fury, you actually didn't cover this with them. Um, but something I am going to share right now. If you haven't listened to those episodes, go listen to the fucking awesome. But here's what I really want you guys to figure out. When you're writing an email, there's actually a set amount that you need to actually write in terms of characters before you hit a new line. I don't know if you actually knew this. It's okay. actually 27, uh, is it 27 or 37 characters before you hit a new line? So what's wrong with this email? It's, it's it, it, it just runs. The, dude, the lines run for freaking ages. I see. 
I see what bothers you, okay? Yeah, so it's like, it's characters, not words. So if it's 27 words, that's different. There's 27 characters. So, or even let's just say 30. Basically, it's like, um, what bothers me, because it runs on, the reason this... So the reason this actually works as a psychological principle for those that are wondering, including you, because I'm assuming you're wondering about what what I'm talking about. Um, The reason you actually do this is because our brains are actually very, very, very focused, almost front and center. Like I'm reading the words consistently and uh, predictably, right? Uh, So how do we do it? How How do we scale businesses consistently and predictably? That is the actual, I'm just focusing on those two words my periphery can see everything from the hey it's michael to anything that goes beyond predictably uh in terms of that line of sight is dead to me right but if i focus on it the rest of the stuff is dead to me so that includes stuff like being able to track and analyze how people flow through your funnels you know stuff that basically they need to understand in order to get the most out of this people blank that shit out interesting so when well, you actually have yeah. so when you have it a little bit more concise, what happens is that people read straight down vertically, and they don't have to keep going back. Because um, oh God, I can't remember who it was that taught me this, but a friend of mine taught me this because he learned it from a speed reading person, who said the reason why people read slowly is because when they start reading a line uh, of text, it literally starts off with "Hey, this is uh, say like, Hey, this is Adel, and I want to say welcome to AdelMarcy.com." Now, when if that's a run-on sentence, the way it actually goes off is like, hey, this is Adel, but the brain doesn't read that as four words. It reads it as, uh, hey, this, hey, this is, hey, this is Adel, hey, this is Adel, and it keeps going back to the start. Right. That or makes it, sense. It keeps going back four letters or five, five words beforehand in order to keep going. So by having run-on sentences, your brain automatically starts going back and forth and starts to tire, tire your cognitive function out. And when you feel tired and have that cognitive function being slowed down, you don't take in as much um, information. You don't re- you don't receive as much either. So essentially, you miss really key valid points, which is why it, when I see emails like this that bother me that are from my friends, I have to email them back and say, guys, model this email and like outline. <laughs> Just the outline of it, please model that for all future thing, and you'll actually see an increase in um, open rates over time. Like oh, I just uh, literally just took your advice and made changes just now. Epic. I love the fact that I have like really cold water next to me. It's like the best thing ever since like do like uh, I got strep throat like a month and a half ago after being on stage. Um, and I learned very quickly then the importance of drinking a lot of water. <laughs> it's so much more fun. All right, so happy fun time question for you. What have you been reading? Because the last time I spoke to you, you told me to read Nir Ayal's book, Hooked. Oh, yeah. That book is fucking amazing. Yeah, you liked it, eh? Wait, were you high when you were reading that book? Um, I don't know. I, I Because I... Okay, I was going to say, if you were, it kind of makes sense of how you went from Hooked to... I'm going to create this analytics thing. No, so so actually, funny funny story. Well... No, the, the, the analytics, like I built software companies uh, before, right? I used to own a language app uh, kind of marketplace, like think, think of Uber slash um, Airbnb, but for language teachers and language learners. So that was one of the businesses I used to run when I lived in, in the UK. And um, so I, I was naturally drawn to um, these types of businesses, like uh, to 
you know, how do you get somebody to use your product more? I had actually bought that book while I was running that particular um, software company. And, um, but like afterwards when I transitioned to my agency, obviously that didn't apply, but it always still fascinated me. Like I love, I love the idea of creating a product that people can use and, and making them hooked on it and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, like, uh, no, I definitely, I read that book afterwards. So what am I reading now? What am I reading now? Right now, oh, actually, the thing I'm reading right now is um, the the Jeff Bezos shareholder letters to Amazon, like the Amazon shareholder letters. I print, I printed all, all of them back from 1997, the first shareholder letter, uh, all the way to 2017, this past year's shareholder letter. And I've just been reading one a day uh, and, and try right before bed trying to like fuse my dreams with $100 billion worth of wisdom. That's, that's how I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, but it's, they're like two to three pages and it's literally just the summary of what like Amazon's been up to. Um, and just the mindset of Jeff Bezos and how he looks at business and, you know, like how he doesn't care about money at all because ultimately, yes, he's, they're, they're making, they're growing all the time, but like they weren't profitable for forever. And they, in 1997, um, they did $147 million in 1997, right? Like you, you think about Amazon they're like, holy crap. In 1997, they did $148 million or $147 million. And then this past year they did like I think 81 billion or something like that, some ridiculous amount. Um, but it, they weren't profitable for like 10 whole years. Now, how do you make $147 million, but you're not profitable, right? And it, it takes a specific mindset and uh, a specific type of person and, and a view about business that is absolutely powerful. So that's what I've been reading. Uh, the book Ready, Fire, Aim is incredible. Um, yeah, really I read the book. You know yeah. what? I'm actually finding it harder and harder to read books as I get older. I'm I'm finding it. Uh, I, I'm similar, actually. I'm finding it a little bit. Um, I just find like I don't have the time to sit down and and just read. Well, to be honest, you have a daughter. Yes, that makes a big difference. That does. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you started practicing so far? Have I started practicing what? when she's a teenager because i've actually no, said this I, to my friends i'm like the day i find out i'm having a daughter that basically is the day like, i'm gonna go stand in front of the mirror and just start practicing ask your mother ask your mother ask your mother <laughs> because i'm gonna be like her bitch i already know this like when I'm, i have a daughter just gonna, yeah dad dad says yes to everything yeah i'm 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 practicing my uh just my shotgun pose whenever her first boyfriend comes to the door just like walk walk up to the door with my uh with my shotgun or my baseball bat and be like who are you i don't know have you seen uh have you seen bad boys 2 oh man i love bad boys 2 that whole that thing scene? yep yep will it smith does. martin lawrence it's like yeah. oh reggie <laughs> yeah <laughs> reggie you at least 30. <laughs> <laughs> so good so i'm gonna by the way i don't know who watched or listens to this podcast but i'm half black so yeah, I was gonna say he can get away with this, so it's fine. Yeah, I was like, exactly. if I if I said that, then that's questionable because I, it's questionable. I grew, I'm African, so I'm like, 
Technically, exactly. I can say it, but I'm not going to. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's me and and how I'm thinking about my daughter. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's been those are those are kind of the two things that I'm reading right now. Oh man, that is pretty awesome. So right now, my reading list consists. Of, like, I actually set up a book list for this year. Um. So hold on, I'm just gonna open it up. Books and courses I want to take. That's it to be taken and to take this year. So like right now, um, I don't know about like, cause you said it gets hard to find times you get older and stuff. Cause you know, shit mm. just comes up. I'd create a spreadsheet of books I want to read this year and then rate them if I'd listen to them again or read them again. So right now I'm actually going through, uh, Oh shit. Where is it? Right now I'm actually going through, it's not even on my goddamn reading list. That's just stupid. I'm like reading a book that's not on my list. Uh, I'm reading the uh, How to Be a Power Bro a Power Connector. Uh huh. And it's a really good book. It's basically about how to like connect people. Uh, power Connector. Yeah, I'm just gonna find her name because the lady Judy Robinette. She's amazing. Um, this is basically how she connects the most powerful people together in the world, and how she, she that's her business. Her business is just connecting people. Um, it's a great book on understanding networks and how people create like huge frameworks and stuff like that so that's one uh, the course I'm taking right now the one that I'm actually going through is actually um, MPI by Jay Abraham which is multiple passive income um, it's a program he did years ago with um, Rich Sheffron oh yeah um, yeah so that's pretty pretty fun um, just bear with me guys hold on just go pause something real quick because there's like some noise outside that's coming in uh, for bearing with us there. So my other question, there is like something I did want to ask you that you've, um, usually I ask this question in the sense of like, give me three of these, but honestly, you've kind of answered two of them. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna change it up a little bit. So if you were to name three books and three movies that made the biggest impact on your life and you'd recommend everyone watches them, whether it's for business, whether it's for fun or laughter, whatever it is, what three books would you tell them to read and what three books, or fiction books would you tell them to read and what three movies would you tell them to watch? Fiction books? I don't read fiction. I've never, um, I've never been able to read fiction um, and mostly because I read quite slow Yeah. and I never ever get myself into the story fast enough before I get bored. So I've always had a hard time reading fiction books um, I read nonfiction, you know, all the time, but, uh, that, that's the real, that's the truth. I haven't read a fiction book since elementary school. Damn. Yeah. It's been uh, a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but in terms of movies, oh man, three movies that you need to watch. Um, I mean, like the three movies that pop out of my head are my favorite movies. Now, whether or not it's because of the business lesson or, or, or something along those lines, I'm not so sure. But, uh, my, my favorite movies are, uh, remember the Titans with Denzel Washington and, and the movie, an incredible movie. I was actually uh, thinking about that this morning while I was in the isolation tank. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was I, really... I did that once actually isolation tank. That's amazing. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's a cool experience. Do you do it often? Yeah, I go uh, once every week. I'm actually in twice this week because I just need it for my shoulder. Well, okay. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I did it once. Um, yeah, Remember the Titans is definitely uh, a movie that 
was was massive. Um, I love I love like the um, for some reason the kind of gangster uh, hood movies. So I love Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood. Those those two movies are two of my favorite movies that I can watch over and over again. Um, what else? Um, Wait, what was the gangster movie that you recommend? Uh, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society. Good, good classic movies. Though to be fair, every time I watch them, after watching Don't Be a Mess, South South Central, or Drinking Juice yeah. in the Hood, <laughs> I gotta drop in one of those references every so often while watching Bo- uh, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's why. That's why those movies are so good. They're so good that they had to make such a funny spoof movie about them. Yeah, they're really serious and really well made. Yeah, and then. Um, Oh, what's the third movie? Let me, you know, actually, so this movie blew my mind. Uh, I just watched it recently. The new Steven Spielberg movie called Ready Player One. Oh, dude, that movie's amazing. Holy crap. It blew my mind. I, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. Like I, I watched just one commercial or something like this, but, um, I went in there and just the entire concept of the movie was like incredible because you can already envision that like that's where virtual reality is going and um man i i that movie blew my mind it wasn't like it's not like oh man this is one of the greatest movies ever but it's like just the concept of it and the storyline and how how it was done uh and then all the references back to you know my childhood playing you know nintendo and 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 stuff like that was was just awesome yeah dude that's amazing i'm actually gonna go out and say this much about ready play one though uh, without giving anything away. What I loved about it is it's not the most amazingly well-written structured script in the world, but you will come out feeling amazing at the end of it. Yeah. Because um, I went with my friend Shauna, and um, she's never seen Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Adventure. <laughs> That's so old. It's a fucking classic, dude. Never going, never going out of style with that movie. Um, one of my top favorite movies of all time, but... Um, we were walking back because we were supposed to watch Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider movie, but it was sold out. Like it was a really, really small theater, like nine seats in this place, and they were like, "Yeah, there's only one left." And I'm like, "Ah, we don't really want to watch it." So I said, "So I really want to watch an '80s movie. Have you seen Bill and Ted?" And she was like, "I've not seen Bill and Ted." I was like, "We're watching Bill and Ted." It's just a good '80s day. That's all it was. Just like watch a bunch of '80s movies. You're, you're going to be happy with that. That's hilarious. All right. So real quick though, I really did want to ask you on this stuff. So as far as it goes with how you basically put your uh, relevancy out there, because this is kind of a big thing, what was it that actually helped you get more relevant online? Because right now it's becoming, it's become a trend to find your voice. And something I've been finding more and more of is my own voice out there, how I basically represent myself. What was it that you did that was completely different to everyone else to help you stand out in the crowd on the social scene? Well, so I think... I think it's it's interesting. Um, I I think I have a unique proposition uh, right now with Funnelytics. Right uh, right now, the on the surface, before you even get introduced to Mikel Diaz, like my my personal kind of brand, which is something I'm developing, which is something that I'm working on to launch and to get out there a little bit more and. And to kind of become a uh, position myself a little bit more as an authority as an expert, um, before you are even introduced to me, 
you're going to be introduced to Bunalytics. And I'm giving the market incredible value just from this tool alone. And then they enter my world. And now from that, that point forward, now they start to actually um, start to understand who I am, my story and whatnot. A lot of what I do is around groups, is around creating that community. Uh, when I launched Funnelytics, so, so we, we, did, we did just over $200,000 in 48 hours uh, with less than $10,000 in ad spend and zero affiliates. And the way that happened was because of the group, because of the community. We, we advertised this free mapping tool People loved it. People started sharing it and, and whatnot. So our our user acquisition was relatively cheap. You know, probably about a dollar fifty or so to to get somebody to create an account. But everything that I did after they created an account was get them inside of our Facebook group. And inside of the Facebook group, I I, I really didn't have a choice because we were a good two months away before we could launch the pro version, the paid version. So I needed to nurture them and and position myself and give value and and really do a whole bunch as much as I possibly could <coughs> Sorry, uh, over the course of two months while I was coming up for this launch so that's what I did I gave as much value as I possibly could outside of this tool that I created and um, that's really all it takes is, is about you know being vulnerable sharing your sharing like your story and, and actually giving people insights but giving value as well like it's not enough to just you can't just be vulnerable you can't just share stories about like hey I, went, I did this today or i did that like you have to give real value you have to truly understand who are you helping and where are you trying to take them uh because all of the value and all the stories and all the insights that you share should be relevant to them uh in some way shape or form so that's what I did. That's what I focused on. Um, but I do have kind of that unique position where, you know, I'm people are entering my world having received a ton of value through this software to begin with. That's pretty cool. As in, like, you know, I love how your brain works on that. And something that you've said that is very, very striking is giving relevant value on the social scene. And the reason I say that is because everyone says you want to be, you want to give value, but no one says that you have to be vulnerable or real with the stories that you tell. Like everyone just assumes that's what people are going to do, but not many people actually do, if that makes sense. Yep. So it's just really interesting for me. Um, and the, the stories have to be relevant. Again, like I, I can't stress enough and I can't tell you how many times I see people share stories, but they share sto personal stories that have nothing to do with nothing. Like it's like, why, why are you sharing this story? Is it to, to try and get pity? Is it, you know, what is the reason for you to share this story? What is the lesson? What is the actual thing? And, and if you want to really create a bond with your customers or your tribe, you have to really know what they want and then start crafting your stories and start thinking of your journey and your stories based on how does it reflect back onto the, the journey that they're going through? How does it reflect back on the thing that they want to achieve, right? The more you can take your stories and, and, and put it in, in their world so that they understand it, 
the more they're going to have epiphanies, the more they're going to follow you, the more they're going to want to keep keep paying attention to what you do. Yeah, I mean that's like the key. That's like the key things that no one really looks at as well is how you put that stuff together. So this is again like you've been on the show before, so you definitely know what I'm going to ask you. Um, but we're going to change it up a little bit. So my favorite thing to ask on the show is like what because there's a year difference between uh, the last time we spoke and now. What would you say would be the three key things that you tell entrepreneurs to actually focus on? Um, do you remember what I said last year? Because I don't remember. No, dude, I've not actually listened back to our show like in about six months because there's yeah. been so much going on. But I was gonna, what I was going to say was like, that's the reason because last year you actually gave advice on people who were like either down now, stagnating, or hitting a plateau. This year we're going straight everyone. And it, can okay. be, and it doesn't have to be just be business advice. It can be all types of advice. So you've got three pieces of advice you can give anyone. Okay. Um, focus your, your entire intention as an entrepreneur, in my mind, should be revolved around four core pillars. Number one, profit. You want to build a highly profitable business. Number two is impact the actual market, the, the thing that you're putting out there, the way that you're, you're, the people that you're serving, you should actually want to create a massive impact for. Number three is freedom. You need to create freedom. You need to create balance between profit and freedom. And number four is fulfillment. You need to do stuff that fulfills you. You need to wake up every single day energized and excited about what you're about to do the next day. Your goal as an entrepreneur is to find that middle, that center point between all four of those things. If you can focus on that, if you can build a business that's highly profitable, that creates massive impact to your marketplace, provides massive freedom for you as an entrepreneur, and fulfills you every single day, you are going to have an incredible life as an entrepreneur. That is extremely important. I, with last year, I was way too focused on profit. I was trying to create freedom, but I didn't have it. I didn't have it at all. I didn't have any sort of impact. And by the time that my business grew to where it was, I wasn't fulfilled anymore. I wasn't getting up every single day doing stuff that I wanted to do. I was getting up every single day doing shit that I did not want to do. So I wasn't fulfilled. So um, this time around, I'm being extremely conscious of that. And um, really trying to hone in on those, the center of those four pillars, that to me is not very, very important. Um, number two, second thing should be regardless of where you're at in your business, you need to create a tribe. You need to create an attentive audience around your uh, around your business, around the people who you're going to serve. It's not enough nowadays to just like set up one ad, going to a landing page, and then hopefully your email sequence sells people and, and whatnot. People need to know who you are. They need to see the attractive character, and there needs to, there, there needs to be a, 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 a tribe around that. The best way I, I like to explain it is is by this concept of, of a mountaintop. Ultimately, your dream customer, the person that you really want to work with, there's a mountaintop that they want to reach, right? They're, they either want to lose weight or, or, or 
have more leads coming into their business or make more sales or create more, whatever it is, right? There's a mountaintop of things that they want to achieve, but your goal as the entrepreneur and as the business owner is to help them get to that mountaintop. But in order for that to happen, there has to be somebody at the top of the mountain shouting out saying, hey, I know what you're going through, I know where you've been, I've been through that journey, if you want to get to the top of the mountain, here are the steps that you have to take, right? And then actually help that person reach that mountaintop. But in order for all of that to happen, they have to believe you, they have to trust you. So you have to have that attractive character and you have to build a tribe, you have to build an audience of people who are going to listen to you, who are going to be attentive. So you definitely have to focus on building that attentive audience which comes in the form of groups, retargeting, omnipresence, content, etc. So that's number two. Um, number three. Number three would be um, probably around fulfillment. A lot of people miss the mark when it comes to feeling fulfilled, and this is maybe something I shared in the last episode. I don't uh, a year ago, but maybe not. Um, share it again. We got. I'll, I'll share it again. So, here, here's here's the problem that I find. People um, approach they they have the wrong mindset when it comes to what they consider passion or or what they're searching for. Too many people go around searching for that one thing, the one thing that is going to drive them, the one thing that. You know, the one business, the one passion, the one market, the one niche, they, they just go for that one thing. And it becomes extremely hard to figure out what is that one thing, right? So I remember, um, this is back in 2000 and uh, either end of 2010 or, or beginning of 2011, I don't remember uh, precisely, but I was in the same boat. I, I just started building, uh, so learning about online online marketing. I, I was an engineer. I hated my life. I hated working as an engineer. I knew I didn't want to be an engineer. I kind of had this, I started getting this drive for, for entrepreneurship. And I sat down with um, the owner of, a, of an agency. He was the, my, my roommate's boss at the time. And my roommate was working directly with the owner of, of the agency. The agency was doing pretty well. They were doing probably around $10 million a year or so working with big brands and I, I had the chance to sit down with him and I asked him how did you figure out that advertising was your passion how did you figure out that that's the business you wanted to start because I didn't know at the time what I wanted to start and what I wanted to do and he looked at me and he said Mikel don't get it wrong advertising is not what I'm passionate about I'm actually very passionate about four very specific things I'm extremely passionate about leading a team, being my own boss, being able to dictate my schedule, right? That is something I'm extremely passionate about. I'm extremely passionate about working in a room with people who are smarter and more creative than me every single day. That's something I'm passionate about. I'm extremely passionate about having diversification in my days, working on new projects all the time, making things ha uh, having things happen. Number four is I'm extremely passionate about having freedom, right? Being my own boss, like uh, being able to dictate what I want when I want. Those are four things that I'm extremely passionate about. It just so happens that starting an advertising agency 
fulfilled these four things for me. But there's many, many other opportunities that could have fulfilled these four things. It just so happened that I went with advertising and it fulfills me because of those are the four things that fulfill me. And I sat down, I, I was like pretty flabbergasted that after that I was like, huh, so if, if I'm not, if I'm hearing you right, I shouldn't be thinking about like what I want to do. Instead, I should be thinking about like what would motivate me every single morning. If I could wake up and do this thing every single morning, would I feel fulfilled? Would I feel excited? Would I feel pumped up? And I went home that day and I started listing down um, what are my four things. And I actually kept it to four things. And ever since then, by the way, it's, um, apologize if you can hear that fire oh, truck. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll get in post. Cool. Um, I, um, I sat down and I, I wrote down what are my four things. And um, I wrote down learn, build, advise, and freedom. If I can learn something new every single day, I feel pumped up. I feel energized. I feel like I've done something with my day. If I can build something, right? I love the idea of taking a concept, an idea, something on paper and seeing it tangibly, seeing it in the real world and taking the steps to make that happen. I think that's why I actually enjoyed engineering school, but I didn't enjoy being an engineer because the idea of building a bridge is really cool. It just so happens to take 20 years and I didn't want to wait 20 years to figure out all the steps in order to build a bridge. So, but as a kid, I always grew up, I like, I loved building Lego, but I loved breaking down the Lego more than building it. You know, I breaking it down and then rebuilding it. And then, um, so building is something that really motivates me. Uh, third is advising, having these types of conversations, right? Having meaningful, in-depth conversations with people uh, about all sorts of things, relationships, life, um, philosophy, business. If I'm able to have these in-depth conversations and advise people who have a problem, who have something that they're trying to get over or an obstacle or whatnot, and I can see that aha moment in their eyes, that fulfills me. That gets me pumped up. And lastly is freedom. Um, if if I can have freedom in my days, if I can feel like I'm dictating what to do, when to do it, that makes me fulfilled. That makes me feel excited. It just so happens that building an online business fulfills these four boxes, right? So now all of a sudden when I started looking at my opportunities, it's the reason why I started a Mandarin language school, even though I don't speak Chinese and I've never been to China. It's the reason why I started a language app, even though I'm not passionate about languages. It Because I started looking at these opportunities, it's the reason I packed up my bags and moved to London to do an MBA degree. Because I started looking at all of these opportunities and I started weighing them against my four boxes. And as I started checking off, and okay, am I going to learn? Am I going to build? Am I going to advise? Am I going to have freedom? As it started looking at those opportunities, now all of a sudden it, it provided me with much more clarity as whether or not I should take this on. If all I was thinking about was my number one thing, my passion, well, I certainly wouldn't have started a Mandarin language school, that's for sure, yet <laughs> I went on to sell that for multiple six figures. I certainly wouldn't have started a language app because I don't learn languages, you know? So that's the biggest thing. A lot of people, um, a lot of people lack 
clarity on what it is that really drives them, what it is that really gets them excited. So that's a, an exercise I, I try to do with a lot of people is um, whenever I find that, I tell them, look, what are your four things? Like it's four, by the way, it's not three, it's not five. I've been using the same system. I have a, a framework that I use uh, literally to weigh my options and my tasks and, and my projects and all that stuff based on, I've tried three, I've tried five, I've tried six, it, it, the magic number is four. Um, because what ends up happening is if you don't fulfill one of your four boxes for too long, something inside of you starts missing. You're, yeah. You start feeling depressed, you start feeling like you, you're not fulfilled. When in reality, the only reason you're not fulfilled is because you haven't touched on one of your boxes in way too long. And that's, you know, if I could give anybody advice on, on, on that, that's, that's what I would do. List down your four, what are your four boxes? What are the four things that motivate you, that fill you? And then look at your life, look at your past six months, look at your next six months. Have you been fulfilling it? Are, are there plans for you to fulfill it? You know, and, and that's, um, that's going to give you massive fulfillment with everything that you do. That's awesome, dude. Thank you so much for the advice. And something I will say as well, with the four being the magic number, that's interesting because I'm going to start working on that myself. But one thing I'm really curious about with four being a magic number, it's because it's balanced. And, yep. if, you, and if you're missing one piece, you now have a three-legged like table. No wonder you're going to fall over somewhere. If you've got four, you feel perfectly balanced. Exactly. And um, when you when you, when you you have five, uh, it's too much. You start to realize that actually... No, like it's not really, you don't need, and the, the reality, like I said, um, you can stay on your three legs for a certain amount of time because here's what ends up happening is, is, is very hard to find one project that fulfills all four boxes, yeah. right? It's not easy to find that, but if you find a project that fulfills three or four, you can, you can fulfill your fourth box in other ways. For example, uh, one of my buddies, one of his boxes is adventure, you know, feeling like he's outdoors and uh, it fulfills him, it gets him excited, you know, if he can have adventure in his life. And, and adventure is not just in the form of like being out in the wilderness, but also traveling and, and going to different places and, you know, feeling that sense of adventure. Um, yet he works a nine to five job and he's at his desk all day long. So, one of the things that he does is he deliberately schedules every single month something to fulfill his adventure box, right? Because he knows that if he goes six months or, or whatever without touching it, subconsciously he's just going to feel miserable and he's going to think that it's because of his job. He's going to think that it's because of his current life when actually it's just he's missing that one little thing that his, his body and his mind needs, Right. And once you start to understand what your four things are, your four boxes, um, now all of a sudden you can look back at if you've been miserable, if you haven't been happy or if you you're you're not in a place where you want to be. You can look back and say, well, actually, am I hitting my four boxes? Have I even have I had freedom at all? If one of your boxes is freedom, have, have you had any freedom in the past six months? You know, that's how I start to look at it. And all of a sudden, um, it makes a it makes a massive difference. That is awesome. I love that, and that's giving me an idea of something I want to work on. So I'm gonna start doing that as well. Guys, go check out Funalytics.io. Links will be in the description. Hit up uh, 
hit up my man. Just hit him up. I've actually forgotten how to say his name again. It's really Mikhail. You know what really throws me? It's the A-E-L. Yeah, yeah. Because I was in Mikhail. I was like, no, it's Mikhail. M-I-K-E-L in my brain. But it's A-E-L. Yeah, so Mikhail is like the Russian way. My name is actually pronounced Mikhail. Yeah. Mikhail, right? Um, That I can pronounce. That that I can pronounce because damn Arab backgrounds, right? Yeah, exactly. Most people can't pronounce it. So they're like, Mikhail, Mikhail, Mikhail. Mikhail. It's like, whatever. Just freaking call me whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten to the point now where I go to Starbucks and I just say like, my name is Mike. Yeah, pretty much makes life so much easier. <laughs> Just give them like a regular name. Don't don't fuck it up. We're good. But guys, check it out. Funalytics.io. I'm a member. I fucking love it already. I've been playing around with it uh, in the background while I've been sat here quietly. I'm like, oh shit, this looks so cool. But yeah, it's great to get like content ideas out there, dude. Thanks again for being on here, and being such a great sport, and sharing so much. Like, it's amazing how much you shared. Oh man, my pleasure. I'm glad. Uh... I hope everyone listening has gotten a lot of value and a few takeaways from this. Oh, hell yeah. I'm sure they have. All right, guys. See you on the next episode next week. And uh, Mikhail, well, Mikhail, take care, my friend. I'll speak to you real soon. I'm going to totally butcher your name the entire time. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to end up calling you Mike like the guy at Starbucks, like an asshole. Just call me Dia. There you go. (laughs) I almost did, but I was like, I think he might take offense to that. No, no. Most of uh, I grew up with everybody calling me Dia. It's a, I, I'm from Toronto. It's a hockey culture. Everybody calls each other by their last name. Pretty, pretty awesome. All right, guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Dude, thanks again. All right, brother.